You're listening to the AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers with your host, Eric Elliott. All right, so we're back for episode two with attorney David Ayler of David Ayler Law Offices. So David, the first episode, we discussed a lot of different topics. Now, I want to go into what's difficult about promoting a firm or marketing a firm. One of the things we said during our break was you get overloaded with so many opportunities. So how do you know what's right? How do you figure out this is what I should do or or I should devote my time to listen to, to this? It's very difficult. And I think I've probably turned down some good opportunities and not known it. Um, and that's just honest. Um, because one, they're going to come at you um, all the time and you're going to be bombarded from local folks to people across literally the world. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, throughout the United States with different marketing opportunities, different agreements and different things like that. And, and you really never know until you look into it. So one thing I always do is first, I have a marketing director. She's been with me for a couple of years and uh, she's over several different uh, parts of the firm in regards to the marketing, but one of them is screening. You know, I hear about a company, right. I say, hey, I want you to find out what this guy or what this girl is selling, what's it about. Now, she doesn't have the background legally and doesn't have the background to know whether or not it should be something we do. She'll look at the price point, explain sort of the features, and then we determine from there. But what I also do is I'll talk to other attorneys. Have you ever heard of this company? Do you know of anybody that uses this at work? Oh, we tried it. It was terrible. Um, you know, and then if I'm actually on the phone with the person, I'll say, okay, this sounds great. Can you let me talk to the guy in Alabama that does it, the lady that's doing a real great job in Louisiana does right. it, and that bigger firm you know, out in California that has it? Can I call them and talk to them and see how they're doing it? And if they're willing to give you those references, then that helps a little bit, you know, and you're willing to put the time in and do it. I will say, funny story, one time I called a firm, um, I believe it was in uh, Mississippi, and uh, the uh, head attorney didn't realize they were still using it, and his paralegal oh said we hadn't gotten any leaks from that thing it was terrible and they had given me the number to the firm to use as a referral so you know it took wow. that one extra phone call to see well this is probably not a route we want to go down right um but to your point you've got to evolve you've got to continue to look at different things um i'm right now involved with a group uh called lofty group and uh, Lofty Group is uh, a law firm that's originally out of D.C., um, uh, New York originally, now out of D.C. Obviously, they can partner with uh, different firms throughout uh, because of that, and they work with myself and another lawyer in the upstate. And believe it or not, I met the uh, owner of this company um, at a pool at a conference, and not while we were in the conference, while we were relaxing outside of it, um, down a trial lawyer's conference in Miami. Wow. And he was not interested in, in looking in marketing from a, a technical standpoint uh, in South Carolina, because he said the state was too small and not enough big cities. So we changed his idea on that and said, well, the state's small. How about just two lawyers involved? And they cover the whole state as opposed to covering a major metropolitan area. Now he's in 33 different states, and the company just got uh, added to the Google list. And so we were there at the beginning and have continued with the co company. I met that guy at a pool. So, you know, that's the type of thing where I didn't even understand exactly what he was telling me yeah. when he was trying to – I didn't even, I wouldn't even say he was trying to sell me. He was just explaining what he does. Right, but it was just like, you know, you didn't, you had your blockers on. You didn't want to hear it at all. At 100%. So, I mean, you have to be careful. Um, but one thing also, and I think this is true to really tell the younger lawyers, don't say yes to everything, even if it does sound good. Sometimes good people advice. call me and say – you know, hey, th this is a great opportunity. And say, you know what? It is a great opportunity. And I think it probably would work. But I can't commit $4,200 to you for the next six months. 
Um, I want to, and I wish I could, and maybe I will be able to at some point, but where my budget is, it's not realistic. And that can be hard, uh, you know, no different than a child wanting a toy that, you know, their parents say it's too expensive. It's almost the same thing. You want it bad. You think you need it. Maybe you even do need it, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Yeah. So how do you, with the different types of marketing that you do, how do you attribute your dollars to an ROI? Like saying like, okay, if you do radio or television, how are you saying, well, that worked for me? How do you check that? It's very difficult to do, particularly if you do various types of, um, you know, uh, advertising and marketing. Um, one thing, obviously, if it's web, uh, you'll, you'll sit there and ask the person, how did they find out about you? And most of the time, obviously, they found out because they did a Google search or mm-hmm. they had some sort of web search. Uh, now, going outside of that, um, people will say, I saw your commercials on television all the time. Well, that's not true because I don't have any David Ayler Law Office commercials on television. Get out of town. I have Riders Law Group, our Riders Division, but people that were not calling about motorcycles cycle accidents would say that um, one thing I find interesting particularly with radio is um, people will come in and I'll say you know who or someone in the office will ask them how'd you find out about this firm that sort of thing and they'll say well, well a friend told me about you okay well who was that you know you want to tell that friend things yeah that yeah, sort of yeah. thing and they'll say I, I can't remember her name I can't remember his name the reason that is because there wasn't a friend what it was was the radio but they don't want to say they listen to me on the radio and that's the reason they came because maybe they think that doesn't sound you know uh, you know something of uh, some sort of like actual prideful type of issue right. that comes into play i guess but it's very interesting um so it's hard um you know sometimes people don't really know how they found you uh, other times people just directly say in a recent dui had the lady pulled out the wristband she had on the night she got arrested and said this is how i knew to call you um, I mean, so sometimes it can be that direct, but when you spread your marketing out like we do because of budgetary issues and the competition uh, and a lot of guerrilla marketing involved, uh, unfortunately, you're not going to always be able to tell um, how much something hit and what really did work or what didn't. For instance, if a concert is having a big event, that type of thing here, right here in North Charleston Riverfront Park doing so many great events now, uh, let's say we uh, sponsor something, we get involved, spend $5,000. Did we get five cases off that? Did we get 10 did we get any or was it worth it just because people saw the exposure so a lot of times you're never even going to be able to get that direct roi Um, but we do the best we can to sort of understand what works and this goes back to the diversity issue that i was referring to earlier is also looking at who do we think is coming to this event are these people that have heard our name tens and times over or is this a group that maybe it couldn't be familiar or shouldn't be so familiar with us that it would be more beneficial to spend this money and have that exposure of having a booth there if we need one giving out swag doing wristbands whatever the case may be but but the one thing i'm hearing from you though david is uh and and a lot of firms they don't know the difference there's marketing and then there's advertising you are a firm believer in marketing more than you are advertising is that Absolutely. You know, because you're pushing it out. When you're marketing, you're always looking at, you know, who you're trying to market to or who you potentially could be marketing to. When you're advertising, you're just going for the more generalized, you know, uh, and which is true in a lot you're of spending money. Industry. You're just spending money. And so with our budget being what it is, and it climbs, of course, every year, just like the competition does, we try to be as, spe- as, speci- as specific, I should say, as possible. But you're still going to swing and miss sometimes. Mm-hmm. And maybe the next year when that comes around, you don't 
do it. Or maybe the next year that comes around and it was so good the first year, they know it worked out well for you, and they've jacked the price up twice as much. Now do I still want to do it? Now the team gets together and we make those decisions. So you're going to have that constant just sort of revolution of how you're looking at each certain things, um, whether it be one-off events or a series or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Mm-hmm. You remember the Yellow Pages back when every attorney did the Yellow Pages. With the magnet on the front of oh, the main attorney, man. whoever spent the most money. Right. I, I remember I had an attorney. I mean, they used to invest a half a million dollars a year in the back. Half a million dollars a year in the back, and now you don't hear from that attorney at all. So just think about how that industry is like, uh, like the dinosaurs, they were just extinct. So what happens five years from now when it comes into marketing and advertising a law firm? Because we knew what Yellow Pages and YP was back then, and we know what it is now. Where do you see it going five years from now? I think, one, you're just going to continue to see um, an increase of online marketing of various types. Um, and I also think you're going to start to see advertising within different streaming programs, uh, whether it be streaming um, from a local channel um, that has an online presence and they have a 10-second commercial before. Uh, YouTube, of course, does this type of thing now. We That's see right. these. You, mm-hmm. know, you can skip the ad. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I don't think the TV is going to go away um, anytime soon, and I don't know that it will ever slow down outside of an economic economic issue simply because people are still going to watch TV and no matter you know for instance when terrestrial radio was concerned with Sirius and XM coming out a lot of people like Sirius and XM but a lot of people still just turn on their car and put on whatever the radio's on they're not using an iPod you're not using an iPad whatever the case may be there's still an audience there exactly so I don't know that TV will slow down I would think it has to at some point but then again it's hard to say if it will because where does most of the money come from when you're looking at television for uh, whether it be uh, television shows and the people getting paid or the movies and that sort of thing and then of course sports and the athletes mm-hmm. those are TV contracts that's right that's you know, right they're not computer contracts they're TV contracts and so I think that side of it will probably stay the same uh, I, I don't I hope it doesn't go any more than it already is now it's got to be at the highest amount um, billboard marketing advertising we've seen a rise in that I've done a billboard here and there um, I don't know how effective they are correct back to what you said earlier with ROI, mm-hmm. X number of cars passed by that day. Did they even look up? Were right. They, were they, were even they on their phone? They, even if they did look up, were they thinking about what they were going to have for dinner that night? And it didn't matter what that sign said. They weren't reading the actual letters and words on it. So, I mean, there's so many different plays that come in. On the other hand, when you're just talking about name recognition and, and trying to put that name out there, billboards are great because the amount of exposure you get to them. Give me... Are there, is there, if I were to ask you, David, David, how proud of you are, how proud are you of the brand that you've created with David Ayler Law Offices? You know, I don't know it's so much that I'm proud of the brand in and of itself. Um, of course, it's great when, you know, uh, someone recognizes you or you get invited to come on a show like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more what is important to my firm is not only are we putting money out there, not only are we trying to put our name out there, and of course that's self-serving. You're trying to build and grow your business, but we're also trying to get back, give back to the community. And I'm much more proud of the different events that we get involved in. Not that other firms don't, not that other businesses don't, um, but I 
I really make it an emphasis of my firm altogether, including myself. We have five lawyers and about a staff of 15 beyond that. And I encourage people to come out for every type of event um, that we can possibly do and get involved. Because I think, you know, you're asking a lot from the community. You want them to trust you. You want them to use you while they have so many other choices um, that may be just as good. And you want to show them that you're giving back as well, that you appreciate what they're doing in the community. And you're not just coming to the soup kitchen so that you can get one picture and then the photo on Instagram. You're going there and you're going to serve soup for four hours and you're going to drop a $250 check off to pay for that soup. Those are the type of things that I'm proud of more than anything else. If you were to walk up to some strangers, let's just say we're, we're in North Charleston Park Circle or go anywhere around here where, where you have an impact and they know who you are, what do you think people would say about David Ayler Law Firm? Um, you know, it would depend on how well they knew me. Um, you know, a lot of times they may say they've heard of me, but don't actually know me personally or don't know anyone at the firm personally. Um, but what I'd hope that I, they would say is that not only do they know that we're around and we're in the community, but also that they would be aware of what we do within the community. Um, I hear all the time, you're everywhere, man. Well, that's great. But just being everywhere doesn't mean you're not doing anything meaningful. So right. you really have got to have that component with it. Um, and there's a lot of firms that recognize it and we're seeing more and more and that's also something that uh, for younger lawyers it doesn't cost anything to give four or five hours of your Saturday um, you know or a Tuesday night and do that's a great a, advice a, a pro bono clinic that sort of thing and it goes a long way and it may not be what you feel like doing that Tuesday night but guess what there's gonna be a lot of things in your career you don't feel like doing that's gonna help you and definitely better your law firm or your practice as a whole Wow. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with a really, really hot topic right now. Okay. Um, this whole R. Kelly trial. Wow. You know, I think I know. I know. I think at some point we all have probably danced or heard the music. So right. um, we're going to take a break. and We're going to come right back and we're going to discuss criminal defense. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. All right, welcome back to the AdCast. David, we took a nice break just now. We covered a lot of topics. One of them we were talking about uh, just being bombarded with just different offers and how do you know what to go through. But now I want to talk a little criminal uh, defense and also some current news. Uh, An artist, um, you know, this whole Me Too movement, I mean, we've seen a lot happen from Kevin Spacey, uh, Brent Ratner, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, and, and, and now, you know, we have this artist, R. Kelly, right? Uh, and so there's been a lot of news lately about this guy. And I'm actually friends with a guy who actually wrote a, uh, a book um, on R. Kelly that just came out, Jim D. Rogatis, up in Chicago. And... How? What do you think of this trial? What do you think? What do you make of this whole arrest and everything else? I mean, my opinion is, is like, um, I just can't believe, like, uh, uh, you know, that a guy at that age would even do the things that he's doing. You know, like, I just think it's despicable, uh, for one. But I mean, it's it seems like his whole trial is like a circus almost. You know? 
And, and it's going to be a continuing circus. And now that you have, you know, dual investigations and dual pending cases in that you have state criminal cases, and then now just as of this week or last week, uh, you have a federal case. Uh, more likely than not, you will see the federal case go forward first. That's usually the way it works. Not always. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though the state uh, charges were filed first, uh, the federal case will go first. Now, when that happens, if, in fact, he's convicted either via a plea or at trial, um, what they end up doing with the state charges. Sometimes they'll dismiss them. Sometimes they'll plead them and run them concurrent to whatever the federal charges are. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, he's in a, a pretty tough position because he has a legal team that has been by his side and done a very good job for a number of years protecting him. They also did that very good job by getting paid a lot of money. Mm. That money is no longer there. Uh, they're still sticking with their client, and they've made that pretty uh, obvious in the court, and they've you know, obviously stated his financial status, which is uh, less than nothing at this point. Wow. And he's now being held without bond, um, which is fairly common on serious charges within the federal system. Um, so it's probably not going to turn out anything like uh, the previous uh, legal battles that he had in the past, uh, both criminally and civilly, but particularly, of course, the criminal case where aware of uh, that he actually was found not guilty of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's going to depend on uh, what is he willing to do. Obviously, the plea bargains are always out there. But one thing is you and I were talking off air when it comes to the Fed specifically, they have a 97 percent conviction rate at trial. Wow. And there's a reason for that. Wow. They're not coming for you till they don't just have you. They got your mama. They got your next door neighbor. And they got the lady that knows you from church. Wow. And they've got them all proffered and they've got all their stuff statements and they're ready to come because they have the money and the time and the resources to spend um, on these cases no matter if it's it's this type of case where you're talking about child pornography and things uh, related to child molestation Mm -hmm. or a drug trafficking case or guns that sort of thing Uh, your local um, you know county sheriffs there's a lot of different things they get involved with and work in concert with the federal government but they don't have the resources they don't have the funds and they don't have the time so the cases are not going to be as lengthy most often but when it comes to the feds you know they don't swing and miss too often i mean the guy actually i know you said 97 percent. i mean that's that's pretty strong and and he he pled not guilty but then uh from what i read he still has to go to new york because also there's some charges from uh, uh, the eastern district of new york that they brought against him too so is is that two federal districts that he's going to have to go Correct. against? Or? It, it, it's because they're claiming that different acts uh, occurred, um, whatever they may have been, in those two different areas. So therefore, there would be the different district courts. No different than if you were in a different city or on you know state charges, you'd be in that county. Um, or if you're in a different state, like for instance, you may have charges in North Carolina and South Carolina. So he has the Chicago charges um, that would be in that federal district. And then if New York claims that they have um, evidence and a grand jury has indicted him on things related to that jurisdiction uh, you'll see you know two separate completely different cases yeah i mean every interview that i see i mean this this whole story is just like uh it's 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 fascinating in itself um and amazing in itself too but like you know like their attorneys are like they they say you know he's he's innocent he wants his day in court but it looks like the the chips are stacked up against this guy from um, former employees, family members, bank statements, you know, audio recordings, text messages, and video. You know, I mean, some of the most incriminating things uh, possible. I mean, as an attorney, how could you say to this 
person or your client, hey, continue to fight. How could you do that against someone who has a 97% rate? Well, first of all, you're always going to plead not guilty at the very beginning. And the reason for that is uh, when you're getting arraigned is because you've not seen any of the evidence. Of course, there's been leaks and various things like that, which was what you were referring to Got there. Um, but I can promise you outside of just the basic indictments uh, that have been read and provided to his attorneys, they've not seen any of the evidence. So their jobs, regardless of what is stacked against him right. or what may be stacked against him, is to evaluate all the evidence. And then that's when they really come back to the table and say, here's where we stand here's what we think here's what they're going to try to do and here's what probably the result will be uh, and then it's up to the client to determine you know as the boss of the case um, whether or not they want to move forward with trying to negotiate a plea or whether they want to move forward with um, you know actually going to trial and each case is different um, and you have to weigh out the credibility of the evidence that they bring in and you also have to look at it from uh, just the standpoint of you know within the criminal procedure process um, you know is there part of this evidence going to be things that can be thrown out not actually brought into court there may be motions related to that, um, violations of his rights. So there's so many different realms that come into mm. play before you finally just say, hey, here's where we are. This is where we stand. Um, this is what they're alleging. Here's what we think. Here's what we think they'll get in, not get in. So there, there's a lot of analysis and review that has to go on that they're really just starting. Wow. But on the federal side, these cases move fairly quickly, um, a lot quicker than a lot of state cases. For instance, the state cases may take two or three years simply because they're backed up in court. Uh, there's a lot of other cases in front of it. You see the federal system with their docket uh, move a lot quicker. So you would see something, I would assume, within his case on the federal side, short of a lot of motions and things like that, uh, within relatively the next 12, 18 months at most. Wow. Because the last trial he had lasted like six years. Right. Which was like, I mean, that's a long time, almost unheard of. Um, but six years before and then this time, um, you know, it seems like they're moving a lot faster, like you said. Um, but one of the things that they said inside of the whole trial was the accusation of witness tampering as well, too. I mean, how, how does that come into play? Is that pretty serious when it comes to a federal or even a state offense, David? A absolutely. It's difficult to prove, um, you know, but if they've got direct connections, sometimes witness tampering can be uh, bribery, of course. That's one thing we think of. And then, of course, it would also be threats. Um, or veiled threats or third-party threats, that sort of thing, uh, to accusers or alleged victims. Um, so, you know, those would definitely come into play. Now, whether they would prosecute those alongside uh, the, the crimes of a sexual nature or that would be separate in and of itself, mm -hmm. uh, it all depends on where the case went. You know, if you see a plea bargain, for instance, a lot of times someone will be indicted for um, a tremendous amount of charges, whether it be state or criminal, because the grand jury, which a defense attorney is not allowed to attend mm -hmm. uh, and have any part in, has heard the one side a testimony of an investigating officer or agent uh, from a prosecutor or a United States attorney, and then they make a decision on whether or not it should be indicted. That doesn't go to any type of defense that could come into play as um, the credibility of the witness. There's no cross-examination. So you're going to have a lot more indictments uh, more often than not uh, than you ever will actual convictions. And also, within a plea bargain, they'll actually throw out some of those indictments. 
Wow. So it's kind of an intimidation factor to some degree. Do Do you think also the era that we're in now, you know, the the Me Too movement and everything else, does that? Do you think in any way that that can kind of help influence, you know, decisions or um, not just decisions, but the way that people think now or the perception of charges now? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of people that have been accused of some horrendous acts, um, well, worse than some of the things R. Kelly have been accused of, and they're not um, in jail. They're not in prison. They're not under any kind of indictment because you know their life has changed you know they may have moved out of the country they're not um foreseen so much just like uh, on the front page i mean i think recently just after you saw the lifetime special on r kelly i think that probably i mean people that are watching these things you know the federal government the agents uh the attorneys involved you know they're human just like us they have feelings they have emotions and, and you know you have people that want the public that want someone to answer for these types of things if r kelly would was 10 years older and you know had pancreatic cancer and was living in Europe trying to get treatment for it would they still be going after him you could argue maybe not you could say it was sort of in the past but then the other side of that is look what happened with Bill Cosby yeah so um, it's really tough to say but yes the environment the political movement the nature of what the, where things are throughout the country is definitely going to be a part of it because there's always a political play involved so now another thing and this kind of ties into the marketing and to the R. Kelly thing too um, like what I've noticed is like, like his attorney is they're they're doing a lot of online Twitter wars with the the Michael Avenatti guy, and they've made things kind of public. Do you, is is it the same way? Like if you are defending someone and you go to court, do the judge look at? Do they look at the judge and jury? Do they look at like what you're doing on a public display as an attorney to kind of say like, oh man, this is this kind of case, or or this is a a marketing lawyer coming in here with a PI case and he just said on television he got his client a half a million dollars. You know, do they take those cases serious from uh, attorneys who are high profile or that market? Uh, you know, that's an interesting thing to look at because it really goes both ways. Uh, first of all, you have to be very careful what you say about any case that you're involved in as an actual attorney. Now, mm-hmm. being a third party um, like Michael Avenatti or, or any other uh, talking head out there, they can make their own opinion and say whatever they want. But if you're actually engaged in the case uh, that is at hand, now he may represent a victim, but that may not be a victim related to specific right. uh, criminal cases. Um, so, But what you also see is, yes, it's marketing to some degree because that attorney's names getting mentioned Um, but in reality what they would argue and what you would want to believe is to be the truth is that they're trying to put a message out there you know they're trying to defend their client Um, you know something that we often say walking out of bond hearings with a bunch of cameras around is you know let's withhold judgment if you will now we all know nobody does it is definitely very much a guilty until proven innocent (laughs) uh, country that we live in and that's unfortunately that's not going to change yeah Uh, so sometimes it's just trying to send a message now as far as the judge Judges concern, you will definitely see judges uh, scold and uh, do a lot of a lot more than just that, if need be, in relation to public comments during a pending case. Mm-hmm. Jurors, on the other hand, are not supposed to be aware of it at all uh, when they come in, and if they're actually picked to be serving on the jury, or if they're aware of it to some degree, they have to make sure that they say under oath that you know it has not affected them. They've not paid enough attention to it. They may know a little bit about the scuttlebutt or some different things that have come out, but it's not something that has really been involved in their 
life. Because it's interesting, one thing I can tell you about being involved in a lot of jury trials is uh, when you're in these worlds, they're a lot smaller than you think, and even R. Wow. Kelly's world is. Uh, I bet if you called 10 people throughout the United States right now, nine of them probably don't even know who R. Kelly is. And the 10th one may have heard his name before, but not know anything about him being arrested. You know why that is? Because they're worried about getting their kids to school and paying their mortgage and seeing if their boss is going to give them that uh, raise and looking forward to their vacation that summer. You know, people have their own lives and their own interests. You and I being involved in the type of businesses we are, we're constantly looking and reading and, you know, checking out local news, checking out national news. So some people just don't have that awareness and, and don't want to have that awareness. So believe it or not, you'll find 12 jurors have never heard of Robert Kelly. And they'll be on that jury, and it'll be up to the government if, in fact, it goes to trial to prove their case. Wow. With that, we're going to take a break. You don't need a marketing agency. You do deserve very important placement. VIP Marketing and Advertising is a cutting-edge strategic digital, creative, media, and marketing partner that provides services for businesses of all sizes. To stay up to date on the latest marketing news, subscribe for email updates at veryimportantplacement.com. Live from VIP Marketing Studio, this is the AdCast. All right, so we're back with Attorney David Ehler. Man, we, we covered a lot today, David. We did. We covered a lot, man. I think this is the start of something beautiful. I, I agree. Us doing yeah. our own show. I appreciate you having me. I, I appreciate you being here, man. So now I want to do one more thing. I want to go into what we call the lightning round. I'm going to ask you what your thoughts on are on uh, different mediums. You just tell me. There's no right or wrong answer because I think the landscaping of marketing and advertising has changed so much, especially in, in all of our professions, ours and yours as well, too. So I'll, I'll jump right in, and uh, I'll ask you about newspaper. What are your thoughts on newspaper? Um, I, I think that you know, you're going to find a lot of lawyers that wouldn't find any benefit in, in newspapers. However, if you're a probate lawyer, um, you probably would find a benefit in it because you're talking about people that would be concerned about wills and probates, and those are the type of people that are still reading newspapers. Okay. Um, radio. I think radio is great, and I say that probably a little bit biased simply because I've had success with it. Um, but I think, one, um, you reach a lot of people still, even with the different avenues that people have to actually listen to music um, or, or podcasts or whatever the case may be. Um, but also I feel like that you can get a lot out there and you can re- get it repetitively out there for a lot less value or a lot less cost than you would, of course, if it was on the television. Television, perfect segue. I think television's great. Just be ready to cut the check. <laughs> that was simple. Um, how about cable television? Some people don't know. It looks like television, smells like television, but it's not television. If you're going to be on cable television, you better know your niche. You better know what you're trying to sell. Um, and when I say sell, you're trying to sell yourself, but specifically what about yourself? You better know what type of uh, viewership you have, um, what their age group is, and various different factors involved. Um, but just kind of blindly going in because you're getting better pricing it is not going to get you anywhere. Gotcha. Um, outdoor advertising. I think it helps. I think it's difficult, obviously, um, to determine what you're getting from it beyond just brand awareness and top of mind as far as the naming. Um, it can be very expensive, um, but there's a reason they're all over the place, right? Right. it got to be. Um, digital marketing, and that could be Google AdWords. 
I think they, I think they're great. Um, I think you got to be very careful and cautious with who you're working with and understanding what you're doing. I've seen a lot of lawyers that are very well respected, successful attorneys waste a lot of money because they didn't take the time or didn't have someone within their office take the time to really understand how it works and what would be most beneficial to their firm. Right. No, 100. percent I totally agree. Um, social media. Let's let's uh, kind of break it up. Facebook. I think Facebook is great because uh, Facebook uh, obviously has a lot, um, you know, it used to be for a lot of younger people, and now you're seeing more people between the ages of 35 to 65 on Facebook. Those are going to a lot of times be the decision makers, um, whether it be something related to one of their other family members that um, may have gotten hurt in a nursing home, or it be their child that's been arrested, or, you know, themselves has been involved in an accident. So I think you hit a good crowd there. And Facebook is, um, as you well know, um, can be very distinct as far as what type of group you're trying to target um, and then that can really help too to know when you what you're spending your advertising dollars on within Facebook um, how about Instagram uh, Instagram you know I think there's definitely benefits from it but obviously with the way that Instagram accounts work um, I think it's a little bit more difficult um, there's there's still I think uh, ways that you can work with it depending on what type of groups you're looking into and that sort of thing but I don't know at least in my experience so far has Instagram really come to the point from an advertising sp- uh, standpoint that you see with Facebook awesome so um I'm, I'm not going to keep you too long, but I want to definitely, we talked about uh, the rolling bike night that you got coming up. I want you to kind of tell the audience about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, so several years back, I guess it's been four or five years ago, we started doing bike night. Uh, we did it once a month for seven or eight months, depending on uh, what the weather looked like. And we do it uh, the last Wednesday of every month. Mm-hmm. Originally started at a bar downtown called Royal American, had a great turnout there and did it for several years there and are going to be there again this year. And then a couple of years ago, we decided, hey, let's not just do it at one great spot let's take it around the tri-county area Mm -hmm. Um, so we've gone to several different places um, throughout uh, charleston county berkeley county dorchester county Uh, this time we'll be in charleston county on uh, july 31st the Mm -hmm. last wednesday of the month uh, right at the hooters there at uh, northwoods mall Uh, it's a great environment for the bikers to come out there we get bikers from all over the place that even come and travel Mm -hmm. we've got a great live band and one thing that's most important kind of going back to what we talked about earlier with the community is every single time we do one of these once a month and we do them I said you know eight to ten months a year uh, the bar or restaurant or establishment that we uh, go to they pick the charity that they want part of the mm, proceeds really to go good. to really good. so we have raffles we have different ways to raise money games and different things so you're out there you're having a good time you're looking at other people's motorcycles you're meeting new people maybe somebody to ride with and then you're also raising some money for a good cause that matters to that place man so David Thank you, man. You've been a hell of a guest today. We covered a lot of topics. I think this was awesome. I can't wait for the people to listen to this on the podcast. And also, this is also going to be available on YouTube. So if you want to get to it on YouTube, you can go to veryimportantplacement.com. They'll see how good looking we are there. Yeah, we're damn good looking. And also, David, please tell the people how they can get in touch with you. Tell them how to find you. Yeah, davidaylor.com is my website. Um, uh, that's probably the easiest way. Uh, also, of course, Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, there's various ways of calling the office always. 577-5530, I would say, is the main number amongst probably three or four other ones. But all that matters at the end of the day is even if we're not in the office, we do have 24-hour answering service, and uh, we get those messages no matter what time of the day or night it is. So uh, we'll get back to you. We, we, we pride ourselves on that. We have a, a larger staff for the small amount of people that we have 
have involved simply because we want to make sure that even if we can't help someone, we at least get back to them and try to lead them in the right direction, whether it be another attorney um, or just referring them into the bar system as a whole. Man, David, thank you. Uh, this has been the AdCast. This is a podcast for marketers and advertisers. I want to thank you again, Attorney David Ayler. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the AdCast, the podcast for marketers and advertisers. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are found. Copyright VIP Marketing and Advertising. Produced by Craft Creative. When all eyes are on you, make it count. From audio to video to graphic design and more, Craft Creative can do it all. We don't make commercials. We craft creative. See what we can do for you at wecraftcreative.com.